Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mission and Meaning, a monthly podcast that brings you inside the important mission-related learnings and work happening around our Sacred Heart community. I'm your host, Kate Matroni-Fish, Director of Mission and Ministry, and I'm joined by co-host Ben Sue, Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access. Both of us are members of the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy here at Sacred Heart Schools Atherton. Each month, we'll bring you a different member from the school community to share about the ways in which they've been reflecting on and helping to deepen our mission. Thanks, Kate. As we've been doing this podcast season, we'll open with a quote or thought, and I'd really love to also get your thoughts on it. So this quote is from Pope Francis, and it begins, The future you. The future is made of yous. It is made of encounters because life flows through our relations with others. Quite a few years of life have strengthened my conviction that each and everyone's existence is deeply tied to that of others. Life is not time merely passing by. Life is about interactions. One of the things for myself learning about the history of the church, knowing about different popes, different theologies, things like that. I think the thing that I love so much about Pope Francis is that everything is very real. Everything is boots on the ground. Everything is relational. How we are as humans and really looking at kind of those micro interactions. And I think the thing that really speaks to me about this quote is this idea that we become strengthened as a community, as individuals, when we are in spaces of encounter, when we are in relationship, where when we are seeing others within our community, where we're seeing God within our community, and that it all goes back to that simple interaction day to day, that we can very often get caught up in all the stuff happening in the world, which is very easy to do, but when we kind of go back to the surface of who we are called to be as people, as humans, as creators, as images of God, Ultimately, it's to be in community. It's to be in relationship. And that's what I think is so beautifully captured here and really connects to what we're going to be talking about today around our affinity spaces is those small moments, especially for some of our youngest students that have those opportunities to see themselves in the middle school area as they're growing in their confidence, right? That's what middle school is all about, to say, hey, you are worthy in this space, That's kind of what resonates with me. What about you, Ben? Yeah, really similarly, and I I didn't say this earlier, but this quote actually came out of a TEDx talk that the Pope gave a surprise video for, just to frame it. And the theme of the talk was the future you. And so I love how we opened that by reframing that the future is made of yous. And of course, we're not alone in this world. We go through it together, and we should know we have one another. So I love that, right? Like, none of us is alone. But I also really love this in terms of we go through this together, but we're also responsible for one another. And if anyone has a chance to watch the Pope's response, you can find it on YouTube. But what he really touches upon is about this responsibility to one another. We are co-creating a better world for each other and together. And like you said, I think this is a really beautiful lead-in into affinity spaces. And so that is the topic of today's podcast. Our last episode was with Spencer Leverett, our OMCS Student Services Coordinator, and with you, Kate, and with some of our high school affinity space leaders as they introduced affinity spaces at the high school. And this episode, we're really fortunate to be joined by Brisa Diaz, our P8 Director of Mission and Culture, who's been building out and overseeing 
the middle school affinity spaces. So she'll share about the work that she's done, about the benefits to the school community, to students, also to our educators. And we'll be bringing back Spencer at the end of the podcast to be in conversation with Brisa to talk about the work that they've done together, how the middle school affinity spaces and the prep affinity spaces might differ in some ways, but ultimately how they're guiding students to grow as the students grow from middle school to high school. So welcome, Brisa. We're super excited to have you. And before we get started on the topic of affinity spaces at the middle school, could you just reintroduce yourself? I know you were in season one of, mm-hmm. of the podcast, but some of your own personal and professional history and some of the roles you play here at Sacred Heart. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be back. My name is Brisa Diaz. I'm the director of Mission and Culture. Like you said, I have a PA. Part of my role is to work with students, community members, with parents to really champion equity and look at our programming and see where there's room for us to really live out our missions. As a personal background, I am a first-generation college student. I'm the proud daughter of a Mexican parents, migrated from Durango, Mexico many years ago. Professionally, I have been in the classroom as a math teacher. I've led different types of programs in Oakland and San Francisco. I've been a school leader in different ways, and I just really landed here about three years ago. So I've started doing that work or different types of work around campus and in part of the OMCS group as well. That's a little bit about me. Yeah, and, and thank you for reintroducing yourself, and clearly we're Really fortunate to have you. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. No, I'm being serious. And thank you for being such a good partner in the work here. Just to maybe rewind a little back before we talk about affinity spaces specifically at the middle school. And I know Spencer gave a definition for affinity spaces during the last podcast episode, but how would you define affinity spaces and in what ways might they be similar to or different from, for example, some of the other spaces Mm -hmm. or groups that are at the middle school? Yeah, thank you for asking for the clarification. Um, Affinity spaces are spaces where folks come in in community based on some type of identifier of their identity. It could be gender, it could be race. In middle school, we now have a neurodiversity group. So it's one of those identifiers that are key in a person's identity, and it's a way for them to build community, and we could talk more about what that actually looks like. It's different from our clubs, and we're actually very clear with kids, particularly at the middle school level. Um, In the beginning of every school year, we have a whole presentation where we talk about like our gifts and our identity and how we might want to be in community. And then we also talk about our clubs. Our clubs, we give the language to students that it's based on interest. Like, what are you really into? Are you really into art? Are you really into drawing and manga? Like, what are you into? And all of those are beautiful parts of your identity, and you get to choose, right? You get to join an affinity space. You get to join a club. You don't have to say one or the other. Like, these are all parts of how we want to make sure whatever your interests are, like, you have to, we have something for you here. That's awesome. And I'm curious, you had mentioned there's a new affinity space this year, the Neurodivergent. How many affinity spaces do y'all have and what areas do they cover with an identity for the middle school? And are there any that might be added? I love the question. Um, We just added, like I said, the Neurodiversity Club, which is really awesome. So at the beginning of the school year, when we share out what these are, right, especially for incoming sixth graders, we want to explain what affinity spaces are. We also have a very transparent process for how to start a new one. So we give kids definitions around what is a club, what is our affinity space. All they need is a teacher that is willing to help them kind of host this club. The teacher can identify if it's an affinity space as a member of that group or not, and we have some structure and some ways we can support kids. So it's always open-ended, and we've had kids come up and say, like, oh, but why isn't there, like, a boys group? And I'm like, 
my friend, there's a process. <laughs> like, absolutely, get yourself an advisor, and like, we would be more than happy to have a boys group. So we have a very transparent process for that. At this point, we have six groups. So we have an Asian American and Pacific Islander group, a student of color group, and I'm one of the moderators for that group, a girls group, we have a Jewish affinity group, and our LGBTQ plus space as well. You mentioned earlier, Brisa, like you've been here for three years, mm -hmm. and I know both at the middle school and also at the high school, the Finney spaces are relatively new here. Yeah. I was wondering if you could share not only about the spaces that we have now, but like how these spaces have developed or, or grown over time. I love that question. When we talk about identity with middle schoolers, we have to be really mindful of what is developmentally appropriate, and we have to be really mindful of the fact that saying you are different in middle school is really hard when there's so much energy and time invested in actually trying to not be different. You're trying to be like everybody else. You're not trying to get made fun of. So this is really a culture shift to have kids lean into identity at a middle school level when we found that that's a really critical age when kids are exploring identity and also shying away from it. And I mean, I'll speak for myself in middle school. I was very embarrassed to be Mexican in different ways. Like I, in terms of music, in terms of culture, I remember viscerally complaining to my parents when they'd play a certain type of music. And I was like, oh my God, no, like I'm not gonna listen to that in the car. Of course, now I'm an adult claim it, I was bumping it on my way to school today. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to understand the age level that we're working with. And when we first started Affinity Spaces three years ago, our biggest mistake was having, and I'm just gonna own that, right, is having kids feel like they had to maybe choose an Affinity Space or not. It was rolled out in a way where kids felt some anxiety around it, and that was not appropriate, and we quickly learned from that year that first we need to provide better education for our students in their second and third year around what is it, and the fact that we need to give kids language around just choice, lean in if you'd like. Affinity spaces are not for everybody. Some kids just don't wanna lean into it. Some kids are more about their just pursuit of the of the arts and maybe that's their thing and that's and that's totally appropriate, but we need to give kids language for that. So as we lean toward the second and third year, we've been playing around more with when does this happen? And we've landed for now with lunchtime as the second, third year space. Lunchtime is opt-in, kids can come if they like, they bring their lunch, it's a relaxed setting. And a big part of the focus in middle school is just owning that you're a part of the affinity space and just having joy together, mm -hmm. just building community together, sharing stories together. And now where we're at in this third year is experimenting with what does it look like to have more fixed times? So maybe an assembly time where some kids are going to the affinity space so it doesn't compete with lunchtime. And then how do we give kids more options to have different ways to either explore topics or just learn about something different? So we're, we're just continually like playing with the model and ultimately centering students and what's feeling good for them and what's helping them build community. When it's cool what's happening, you know, when we look at the middle school age, we're really focusing on this idea of confidence. And from that, you're building kind of a bifold understanding of confidence. One being, you know, be confident in your identity and who you are and land where you are, but also the ability to make sometimes some tough choices of where do you want to be and having confidence in their ability to make those choices. A hundred percent. And when I think developmentally about students and confidence and identity making, identity is like the root, right? Like, what are you about? Who are you? What are your values? What, what, you know, and that's a lot of what we do in education. We do at Sacred Heart is like, what are, what, who are you and where do you want to be? 
But in terms of identity is how do you like reclaim parts that maybe you've shied away from? How do you just tap into culture, maybe in a way that you didn't know? And this could be the space for you to learn more about your culture. How do we give kids the tools to engage with that instead of assuming that it's not a thing or instead of teaching kids, actually, when you come to Sacred Heart, leave your identity at the door? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's not what we're about. We're like, actually, bring your gifts, share about your family, like share about who you are. That's only going to help us learn more about each other. That's only going to help us just build our capacity to have actual, like, authentic empathy. Like, if that's what we're going for, then we have to create spaces where kids get to really lean into identity, explore, and think about it. And that's what affinity spaces are for me. Yeah, and, and I love just you giving that narrative, like Kate mentioned, being responsive to where students are right now, acting, asking them to take agency and leadership. And the other part of what you shared too is how the program has shifted over time. So I really appreciate like what you shared about just really being responsive to seeing the needs of the students and growing the program with them. One thing that you've said to me in the past, and not just you, but others, and something that's stuck with me is, even though it's only been three years, that the affinity spaces have been at the middle school, it's hard to imagine school without the affinity spaces. So my question right now is like, what are some of those benefits and gifts to the community, whether to the students who have been attending some of these affinity spaces or even the community at large? Yeah, what are some of those benefits that you've seen? Yeah, that's we have said that multiple times. Yeah. I don't I can't imagine life without affinity spaces yeah. now. There's a couple of tangible things. The first is for students that are not from this community, when they come here, we can be the friendliest of people. Like we really can. But there it's just a different space, right? And some of us as adults feel that too. Like we, we're just coming from different backgrounds. So for some of our students that might come from communities that do not look like this one, as soon as you step in this door, you're just like, whoa, where are my people? <laughs> like, where is their safety and community? Once again, doesn't mean that folks aren't nice and kind. There's just something about having kinship and like being able to hold on to something. I see kids now in eighth grade who I've worked with, they come to the affinity space. When I remember them being here in the, the first part of sixth grade mm -hmm. and their eyes just being so wide and they were just, man, you can just see it on their face, how they were struggling. They were struggling. They're like, I don't want to be here. Like, there's just, it's really hard to explain unless you're part of a community that hasn't been from this community. And when I see them now, the confidence that they have because they have leaned into their identity. They have, they have friends that they can just be really close with. And because they have, like you mentioned, confidence, you have a confidence. You have folks that have your back. Like, you just feel a certain way when you come to school and you know you're gonna have friends and you know that you're gonna see people that like see you authentically, that makes you show up in a different way. Mm -hmm. That makes you show up and saying like, oh, I'm not alone. I can be in class with folks that I might not be super connected with or might not super identify with. And I can hold my own because I'm not alone here. Like there's other folks that are doing this with me too. So that confidence is, is hard to measure, but it's really easy to see. Mm -hmm. And I can really think of some specific students right now. And part of the vision has also been, how do we provide windows into these affinity spaces mm -hmm. for the rest of our students, right? Because it's not some like secret club on the other side. Like we're just <laughs> building community, but we've held several assemblies for the whole school where our kids in affinity spaces actually host them. We did one where each, each group got to share a little bit of what they do to kind of demystify and help kids understand mm -hmm. the purpose of the group. There was some beautiful poetry that was shared from each affinity space. Like there, it was just a really beautiful moment that all of our middle school got to uh, attend to. 
Um, and also at the end, we finished with joy. We had some dreidels and we had some coins and then we had kids in circle tables and we all played dreidel together. Most of us did not identify as Jewish and we got to partake in this and really got to model to kids. How do we respectfully engage in someone else's culture or lived experience? It, like we have to give kids moments to practice. So that's a big part of why these affinity spaces aren't just great for kids, also for the rest who get to like witness and now see the importance of affinity spaces. They get to get a window into it and also get to share in like the joy of, of celebrating different identities. Well, speaking of that window, what happens during a typical meeting? What does it look like? How are students tapped for leadership? What's kind of the balance between the adult moderator and the student leaders? How does that kind of work and function in that space? It's a total mix and variety. Um, what we found with our middle school babies, <laughs> I say that babies like endearingly, they really want to connect. Mm. So there's the, always this tension between like, okay, we're going to show up. Personally, for our affinity spaces, our student of color meetings, uh, we follow a circle. So we want to create some structure in how they share. So we do a circle format. We all go around. We might just share something as simple as like, what are you doing this weekend? with the goal, once again, building kinship, community, you're just sharing across difference. And sometimes we're just there for weeks where we just want to talk to each other. And the tension between that and like, all right, can we do something more productive? I think different groups are at different spaces. We have like the girls group who these, we call them girl bosses around here. Mm -hmm. They're just like running spaces. They did a fundraiser. They donated for different uh, charities. Like mm -hmm. we have uh, groups that are a little bit more active in that way and that are doing that type of great community work. And we have some groups and I, I found that my group in particular, they just really need kinship. Mm -hmm. So then they're typically in a circle and we're typically talking about some kind of prompt. Um, and sometimes there'll be more educational topics, like what did we cover recently? Or actually, I'll tell you what we plan to cover. I was just talking with one of my fellow advisors. We saw this really great video on social media around uh, code switching around what yeah. does it mean for students like if you don't know what code switching is it's it's the fact that a lot of folks of color a lot of folks from different identities feel the need to speak differently at work than they do in their normal regular lives how i talk to my mother is not how i'm going to talk right now in this podcast mm -hmm. right like it's different yeah. so then this idea of code switching and what that means and when do you feel like you have to do it and when is it aligned with professionalism like it's a very nuanced complicated topic we plan to bring this topic to our affinity space so they can talk about like okay can i be my authentic self at school what does it mean why might i choose to do this or that that's another part of the goal is to create a vacuum and a space where we've built enough trust where we could talk about things that are a little bit more complicated too. And so thank you, Brisa, for giving all that background about how affinity spaces develop, ways in which you and others, like who are doing the work at the middle school, adults are supporting students and then continuing to grow the program, some of the benefits, a view into some of the affinity spaces. So I think for this last portion, we're going to bring Spencer back, and it'll be great for the both of you to be in conversation. As you mentioned, we're all members of the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy, so there's a work that we do in our separate spaces, but so much of the work we do is is together, thinking how these programs connect and meet the needs of the students where they're at. So I wanna give that chance for you and Spencer to be in conversation. Awesome, I love it. Welcome back, Spencer, to the podcast, and thank you for joining us and being in conversation with Brisa about how the middle school and the high school affinity spaces share similarities, but are also different in terms of how they meet our students. And before we get going in this conversation, would you mind reintroducing yourself to our podcast listeners? 
Thanks so much, Ben. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back today. Um, so my role at the PrEP is the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy Student Services Coordinator. And a big part of that role is helping to coordinate and facilitate our affinity spaces at the PrEP. Thanks, Spencer. So my first question is, in what ways are middle school and PrEP affinity spaces similar? And in what important ways are they different? I think they're similar in that we want to create space for students to, to find community, to feel really grounded, mm -hmm. um, to have joy on campus, to have their, their people that they feel really connected to. And I'll speak on the middle school level. Love middle schoolers, and any parent of a middle schooler knows they need a lot of adult help. Uh, our affinity spaces are really guided by the adult facilitators. Every group has two, and they adults have to be clear in their agenda for the meeting, and we also have like a facilitator meeting so we all can get on the same page as well, provide some training for the educators. We are also in the kind of the baby years of this program, so a lot of our groups, like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're kind of at the, they're forming relationships, they're forming kinship. We provide some spaces for them to to share to the broader kind of middle school community. But aside from there, like I, I think there's still a lot of room for growth and where we're at. And I, I think for the prep, that program was developed before ours. There's couple other components where they're ahead of us for sure. What's really cool is there actually are a lot of similarities. So some of our groups have been around for decades, right? Like the women's group, Iris, but some of our groups are also in their infancy as well. So even what you're saying about the role of adults, like our affinity groups would not be able to exist without our adult moderators. Their moderators are there to help kind of deepen what they're thinking or provide some of those guardrails. For example, like thinking about some of the conversations might be a little more risky, right? To talk about identity or more vulnerable. So the adult moderators really are there to jump in and kind of help guide the conversation or just really help to protect the spaces. But I would say there are a lot of similarities and differences just developmentally where the yeah. kids are at. I'd also just want to highlight some of the events that you as groups put on because yeah. there's some really great ones that we've brought our kids to. But yeah. do you want to speak more about that? Because I don't think our middle school is at that level. Definitely. I was thinking about that too. Thanks for bringing that up. Just thinking about like the leadership building that happens for students, right? It is not only showing up for right the biweekly meetings, but it is about bringing different events to the larger community. So some of those have been rallies on campus, which that's been so awesome when our middle school affinities have come to that, or cultural festivals. The last couple of years, we've had a Pacific Islander cultural event, which is open to the whole community. So really in events like that, it is the student leaders bringing their visions to life, but we're all there to help as a team to kind of bring the events to a reality. And there's You've both been talking about this balance between students, one, just having a space where they can belong or where they can be understood, just even chatted up. And this other aspect, like what you mentioned about leadership, and I'm wondering, as you're thinking about middle school versus high school, like what do you see as the best kind of balance between the role of maybe the adult moderator and the role of a student in an affinity space? I think maybe one difference I'm kind of hearing, it sounds like in the middle school, right, the adult moderators are really the ones who are helping to create and guide the Absolutely. space. And what we're hoping for in high school is that the student leaders 
are the ones who are driving that and really providing that foundation of creating a safe space for their peers. As a facilitator, I have to spend a lot of energy creating a safe space because Mm -hmm. once again, developmentally middle schoolers, and if anyone's heard of middle schooler lately, so much language is on the negative, like they're kind of anti everything. So then part of the work of the affinity space becomes how do we have norms where we are treating each other with respect If we have a circle, how do we make sure we're listening to every person? We have to spend energy on that container so that kids can safely participate so that then in the future they can like lead it. But it feels like we have to set a lot more foundation at the middle school level, for sure. And in that progression between students finding that belonging and maybe adults helping them a little more at the middle school and going to the high school where there might be more of a partnership and even expectations for students to lead those spaces or define those spaces for themselves and their peers. What are some of the outcomes you hope for the students as they go through this, like go through middle school and then go into high school in terms of the kinds of, not only what they're receiving from these groups, but in terms of the kinds of human beings our young people will will become? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back to what Brisa said earlier in the conversation. Really, the hope is just that students can be in these spaces so that they can feel really confident in who they are, right? Mm -hmm. That foundation of just who they are, confident in their identity, not only in their leadership skills, but really just in their understanding and self-awareness. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think about the people in my life who happen to be from either marginalized communities or people of color who I look up to and who have, have really powerful voices And one thing they all have in common is a strong sense of self. Mm -hmm. Such a strong sense of self that there's confidence. They they walk into any room and they understand, like, I'm going to take up space because I deserve to take up space. I'm still seeing the little faces in sixth grade when they come in and they're just afraid to talk. Mm -hmm. There's like this fear of just saying anything. Mm -hmm. So my hope from middle school to high school is this progression of like strong sense of self, confidence, and because of that, they can contribute to this community and receive and they just be much more just open to the whole experience. Thank you both for that. And as both of you were sharing, I thought maybe a good way to close is I could read out that quote from St. Francis again. And I'm wondering if any parts resonate with each of you. So I'll read it again. The future you. The future is made of yous. It is made of encounters because life flows through our relations with others. Quite a few years of life have strengthened my conviction that each and everyone's existence is deeply tied to that of others. Life is not time merely passing by. Life is about interactions. I'm thinking about a student to feel so confident in themselves that they then have the confidence to be in, interconnected in community. I, I think it's important to name a criticism of affinity spaces is that it, like it segregates kids or like it just makes them siloed when really the opposite is true. Because they're able to be in these spaces and have the confidence to engage with others, they can then be a part of this greater community and see fully themselves, not just parts of themselves and like be more, much more integrated in who they are as a community. So that, that, that quote really resonates. That resonates with me as well. And something else that came to my mind was something just that's really been on my mind, I think, because we're at the end of the semester. All of us, right, and especially our students, are so 
busy. And so to be able to offer spaces for connection and just joy and a moment to pause. Like I think of these affinity spaces really as moments of espacio in the middle of the day, right, to just come together. And the purpose is connection and community, laughter, right, vulnerability. So that's what came to mind in hearing that quote again. Yeah, thank you both for that. And I, I love this part of students developing in their courage, in their leadership to go out into a world of use. Mm-hmm. And that movement between being an individual and being a part of a larger whole, which isn't always easy. Life is not time merely passing by. And so in the rhythm of all our busyness, all the stress, all these things maybe we feel like we need to do for ourselves, to have that moment of espacio, a break, to find connection, to find joy. Um, and I think both of you have really encapsulated why affinity spaces are so important for our young people. So I thank you both for um, being our guests on this episode and for the really important work that you do with our students, um, with affinity spaces, and the, all the other ways you support our students and our adults on campus. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. And shout out to our facilitators, our moderators for all the affinity spaces. It takes a community. Absolutely. And this concludes another episode of Mission and Meaning. Make sure you're subscribed. We do release new episodes each month. If you have any questions or thoughts, please reach out directly to me, Ben Sue, at bsue at shschools.org or contact the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy at omcs at schoolsorg